0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Any Crack with me, Shannon Callahan. Hey everyone, welcome back to Any Crack with me, Shannon Callahan, the podcast where I talk about culture, travel, assimilation, America, Ireland. If you've listened before, you know what I mean. If you're new here, you're very welcome. Today's episode is very exciting because I have a good friend of mine, Sarah, joining me to talk about a trip that we took recently to Naples, Italy. So if you're familiar, I had started kind of a series before or intended to start a series of like Shan's guide to various places and I did one place and then I forgot to record more. So very excited to have Sarah help me with this guide um, and just chat about what we did and where we went, and the things that we enjoyed, observations that we had, that kind of thing. So, I really hope you enjoy. If you do, be sure to subscribe, like, follow, comment, kind of whatever platform you're listening on, whatever it allows you to do, please do. Um, if you want more, you can also follow on Instagram, anycrackpodcast. And if you want to send love notes, that can be anycrackpodcast at gmail.com. Quick word of warning. I apologize in advance, the audio is not the best. I, you know, if you're familiar, I am an amateur at this editing thing, so I did the best I could to make sure that it was still possible to hear and understand, but um, hopefully it doesn't deter you away from listening because there's some really great conversation in there. And without further ado, I present to you Sarah and Shan's Guide to
1: Naples. (music) cool okay let's go um so I'm Sarah Shannon and I met almost three years ago to the day um she was the cool mysterious one four years ago shit four is it actually ago. four years yeah that's mad that four is years. wild wow okay <laughs> start over <laughs> I'm Sarah I met Shannon almost four years ago not three years ago to the day in our public history programme in Dublin. But for background, I also study public history for a year. I'm a historian by background and now work in heritage. So going to Naples with Shannon was an educative experience for both of us and lots of theory and thoughts about what we saw and how we interacted with it.
0: So yeah, so what I wanted to do with you today, I had done one episode before that was supposed to be a series and then I forgot to record more episodes, but. I'm bringing it back today. Um, it's like Shan's guide to, and I'm just it's just kind of my advice and stories about places that I've traveled to or like that I've lived. Um, and yeah, so I figured we could talk about our trip to Naples. And so it's Sarah and Shan's guide to Naples, to Napoli. Napoli, Napoli. We're Italian now. <laughs> yeah, we're Italian now. We've been there, so... So I figured we could just break it down, like, day by day, realistically. Share some stories, some thoughts, some feelings, because there were some feelings for sure. But, okay, so you arrived earlier. So we were there Friday through Tuesday. You had actually booked the trip first for a bank holiday that you guys have over in the UK that we do not have. Um, But I just hopped on because... I we're wanted friends too and, and I had the yeah. time um <laughs> and actually like we were talking about this like I wanted to travel more with friends because now that we yeah. can out of COVID like it's just something that I've wanted to incorporate in is like going on trips with friends and stuff so you were kind enough to invite me along and so do you want to chat about what you did um that
1: first day? Yeah so I got to Naples found the Airbnb which was on this I mean, Shannon can describe it too, but like buried tucked away, but also like right on a main square and um, one of those amazing old Baroque Neapolitan buildings. Mm. Um, so found that, dumped all my stuff, had a quick shower, super sweaty and hot in Naples. And then off I headed, um, which was great. It was about lunchtime. So got some food en route and then went up to this amazing art gallery. I didn't realize before I got to Naples that it was so hilly um there are lots mm. of big hills so walked up some back streets up a very steep hill dodged lots of motorcycles to this amazing art gallery called the capo monte um which houses the um one of the art collections um of the neapolitan royal family um so it's full of like rembrandt Botticelli, titian all the old masters like completely empty massive building it was amazing so i had a really nice time up there and then headed back, had a drink on the square, sorted myself out, read my book, and then Shannon arrived that evening.
0: Yeah, so uh, my flight was at night. I arrived at like 11 o'clock at night, and I decided to get in a shared taxi, which every time I tell people this, they're like, no, haven't you seen Taken? No, I haven't actually seen Taken. Um, that's probably really but... good for you. I don't think you'd enjoy Taken. No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> But I also, there were six other people in the cab with me. Like, it was fine. But he did charge me so, so, so much money. But I was like, it was 11 o'clock at night. I was going to be a half an hour waiting for an individual taxi. That would have cost me, it would have been a third of what I was charged. But I still, like, it still would have been. I was like, you know what? I need to get out of here. There were some cranky Americans in the line, complaining about how people didn't say excuse me. And I was, meanwhile, like his girlfriend was trying to cut ahead of me in the line. I was like, no, I can't. So I got in the shared taxi and, (laughs) and it was like, he started like blast, like there were lights, flashing in his cab and he was playing like Italian club music and he was going way too fast and almost hitting everything and everyone and it was amazing the rest of the people in the cab were absolutely terrified but I was just laughing and he was like welcome to Napoli and I was like yeah that sounds about right so that was my first day was that and then our yeah we started in earnest then ourselves on the Saturday and we went to Herculaneum and Pompeii And I feel like we're probably the historians in us are going to get bit into this for a little bit before we talk about anything else because we had some thoughts and feelings. We had a lot of thoughts. We had a lot of thoughts. Yeah, and we intend like we went to Herculaneum intentionally first.
1: I think we thought it would be quieter because everyone yeah. goes to the first thing. Yeah, like, we we'll do that. We'll go to Herculaneum.
0: Yeah, that was it. And so aside from the fact that blisters were forming on my poor feet from the moment we stepped into Herculaneum there weren't any audio guides but there was the like info sheet that I downloaded um so you could try to make your way through but I think the info sheet was actually backwards from the path that you took which led to a bit of confusion as we got started which is fine like it is what it is and we kind of both I think we like we generally knew enough like I think everybody learns about Pompeii a bit so like and the eruption of the volcano and everything like that so we had a general sort of knowledge and we supplemented it where we could but what were your kind of takes on Herculaneum?
1: I think I think yeah you're right like both of us knew a bit about Pompeii and Herculaneum and like I was really excited to go to both of them because I've read about them since I was a kid and I think they really capture your imagination as yeah. like historic events. But I think when we got there, you kind of like you get off the train and walk down the hill and then you're in Eculaneum and then you buy your ticket and then in you go. And it's like there's no no like little reminder about what the like, site was where it is in relation to the volcano what happened there you know it really relies on you like knowing all those things already which like luckily we kind of did but it would have been nice to have a refresher but okay. it is also amazing like I think just seeing it and being like wow it was buried that far under part one mm. um look at it in relation to the normal the rest of the town um but yeah it wasn't the easiest to navigate and I think if we hadn't been quite keen and knew knowing things already, I think it would have been really quite confusing as a site.
0: Yeah, and I think because it doesn't get as much attention as yeah. Pompeii does, I I kind of I guess I half expected them to be trying a bit more to pull people in by giving a bit more context and like perhaps having a bit more of an intimate experience through something like an audio guide taking you through or something that would have set it apart a bit more from Pompeii. In terms of like the information you could have gotten from it, but yeah, I agree. Like not only how far under it was buried, but then how it really changed the landscape of like even where the the ocean used to come up to yeah, well, sure. was Amazing. mental. And yeah, it's just one of those things. We kept going back to how long ago it was, and how, and yet how fresh. I, in some I don't know it felt very present like you could yeah the really thing smushed was, the timeline for me
1: yeah I was really struck by they had loads of them and they, they once they tell you at once it doesn't really they don't enlighten you anymore but about the like the lunch bars and the way that you'd eat mm. in Pompeii people ate lunch out rather than at home yeah. and they you know they'd been like perfectly preserved so when they dug them up they could see what grains were in them or like what they'd been eating for lunch on the day of the eruption um yeah. which is like you know, so mad, so amazing that you get that kind of like nitty gritty detail of someone's life, like the last meal people ate lunch in Herculaneum. And that felt that makes it feel very present. It makes those people feel real in a way that I think other aspects of it don't.
0: Yeah, I'd say my, my biggest, uh, is it a complaint? Uh, Discomfort of the experience at Herculaneum was the lack of warning about the sea of bodies. skeletons that you come across kind of as we were on our way out that like I just remember like we walked down the stairs and I was like trying to read on my phone about like what this was and it was the the shoreline it was where the ocean had used to come up to and then you turn around and there's just skeletons on skeletons in all of those archways and it's these People in their like last moments, where you know that they were trying to get onto boats or you know escape, and there's there was one, there wasn't there one of like there was a woman holding a child, it had said or something like that, and it's just right there, and there was no sort of warning or like, you just all of a sudden I just looked up and there it was, and it that smacked me kind of across the face a bit. yeah, and and I, I don't think- know if there was a better way to do it. And I don't know from reading the guide, is that what you used to enter in on? And they had sw- like swapped it because maybe it was a problem, I don't know.
1: I found that like, I think it wasn't just the skeletons themselves. Like I think the bones, you know, quite quite graphic in the sense that they were real people, but I think it was the, the like sheer terror that you can imagine. That was what really got me is like thinking, oh my God, these people were trying to escape the city and they were holed up in those like dark, dank kind of holes by the port looking Mm -hmm. for a way out and they never found it. And just even trying to imagine how that must have felt and the like absolute unimaginable terror and fear of those last moments is like quite hard hitting
0: yeah Um, and I suppose just because of the nature of like how it is set so far under the normal like city level like it does again like descending into that and yeah seeing them in these archways like it just really brings you down into that kind yeah that it. I don't know it just amplifies the feeling I guess because even though they were buried under they were buried under all the ash and everything
1: like being that far down you like could almost feel that also it was that sense of like when you wander around the rest of it like it you do feel close to it in terms of like knowing what these people 2000 years ago like did or like how they lived their lives like very literally like the, the way the streets are laid out or like the way the houses worked but like there's no sense of like personal empathetic connection you know you don't like when you see all those things you don't think oh my god like i've felt that or this is relating to my life in some way but when you like imagine the emotions they would have felt that makes it feel a lot more pleasant i guess and like maybe it's that reminder of the the fact that the real people were affected by this you know like thousands of people died in herculaneum and just just a reminder you know here's the here's the skeletons of a few
0: yeah and then when we moved on to pompeii because pompeii was such a a larger town it was a whole city some <laughs> learned there was yeah. um as we were walking through pompeii there was a, a girl who was i overheard and she said i mean like i knew it was a place but i didn't realize it was like a whole town <laughs> so yes it is in fact a whole city and um, so it was so much larger than herculaneum like herculaneum we did we were there and we kind of walked through Most of the rows, I would imagine, like...
1: We pretty much walked in almost every building.
0: Yeah, we walked everywhere that we could, and certainly there were areas that were blocked off. We walked everywhere that we could, but then in Pompeii, I mean, we barely scratched the surface. And part of that was due to my foot situation, because at that stage, I was in... I couldn't keep a Band-Aid on my foot, and I had open wounds and was dying. Don't wear Birkenstocks, ever. (laughs)
1: or if you do that's what you have to do you have to wear them in properly
0: do you know what I think it was as well as it was so hot that my feet were swollen so they were comfortable in Irish weather to walk around in but they (laughs) I should have loosened them yeah you should um so that's the lesson then yeah Pompeii was a whole different ball game um and certainly I understand why it gets a lot more attention than Herculaneum in the sense of just the sheer size of it and kind of making sense of, yeah, what had happened when the volcano erupted. There's so much information that you can get from there as well. But I took two issues with Pompeii, and the first was the restaurant and bar built into the ruins, um, which I have talked to people about and that it must be new. Because people who've been to, yeah, I know a few people who'd been to Pompeii previously and they were like, I do not remember that being there. And then the other issue was, I personally, and this is a big, like, we've talked about this in our public history course, this is kind of a big, like, hot topic of how do you display human remains? What are the ethics of displaying human remains? And I know that, like, with Pompeii, the casts aren't actually human remains, but There was a a point where you kind of just walked up to a building and there were four or five casts unprompted no contextualization very limited information and here what we have are these they're again gas of people's last moments like we've been able to you know we've been able to see that people were in prayer or they were holding each other stuff like that and just the lack of sort of warning there's no like there's no option of whether or not you want to see it you're on your journey and it's right there and there's no sort of reinforcement of for me there was no sort of reinforcement of the somberness and the kind of gravity of the situation that this was in even though it was 2000 years ago but like that this was the last moments captured and I just didn't like not having the choice to opt in or out now I probably would have opted in but like it's more so of giving is there a certain level of respect of duty that is owed to these people because even though they lived 2,000 years ago imagine if like when does it stop of us being able to imagine that was somebody we knew who's who was on display in that kind of way so those are the two issues I took I didn't didn't sit right with me that there was a restaurant within these ruins that people could drink and eat and litter and like whatever. And then the, the kind of casts, the ways that those were displayed. I don't know, Sarah, what did you
1: think? Yeah, I agree about the cast. Like, I think they were, there a lot as well because again, it's that like emotional connection to the past, isn't it? You see those people doing things that you can imagine very vividly, either strangers doing, or you, you can picture it in a way that other aspects of a city are much less Emotionally connected. I mean, I thought Pompeii was amazing. Like, it did live up to the expectations I had of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like, the amphitheatre was amazing. Just, like, walking down the street. Brothel, so interesting. Yeah. So worth going to. I think the other thing I was thinking, I think it was in Herculaneum, though, that we spoke to the one of the archaeologists um, who oh, yeah. like, stationed in some of the buildings. And I was asking him about the frescoes and the walls, because you see these snatches of colour and the snatches of fresco that are left. We were quite curious as to like a how they were being held onto the wall in the modern day because obviously they clearly come off and been put back on like you could see that but kind of what the process had been and the way the color you know had the color been treated or not and he was telling us that most of the frescoes had been found on the floor and they'd kind of like pieced them back together and set them in plaster and then put them back onto the walls but he was really interesting talking about the way the color had changed and especially to do with it was like the yellows and reds and basically some of the pigments had been cooked by the extreme heat that yeah. happened when the pyroclastic flows like hit the cities, so they were completely different you know they'd gone from red to yellow or yellow to red um, and some of the shades of color were different and all this you know all these things that it to me is fascinating like I am interested in art history and the way in which what we see today is different or similar to what they would have seen at the time is really really interesting but if we hadn't gone out of our way to ask those questions we wouldn't have we wouldn't have known the answers yeah Um, and to me that was a shame that you know there's not something somewhere that would tell people those things
0: i agree that i think was like the the most interesting thing that we learned was about how that had changed the the pigments and even just the kind of the archaeological bits now they do offer like you can go around with an archaeologist or, or whatever which we didn't opt into but having the opportunity to to learn a bit more, as you said, about how they decided to use the space and like to kind of restore it or, you know, try to piece it back together how it looked. Yeah. I
1: thought it was fascinating. I think, yeah. The last other thing that I found so interesting, I mean, you know, like I knew that lots of people died in those in those um when both cities were buried by Vesuvius. But it was only when we got back to the Airbnb that evening and I was kind of doing a bit more research about it that I discovered that actually large numbers of people had fled Pompeii and that they had made it out and actually it was a minority who were left there by the end and that also raises loads of interesting questions about what was found who was found and like the state the city was found in i guess like what had happened as those people were leaving had they taken things with them had they run away who were the people left were they high status low status um were they looters were they people guarding things you know there's so many interesting questions there
0: Yeah, I think there's so much that I'm not a big classics person. I don't typically care about ancient Greece and Rome. And I'm so sorry for the friends who I know do care. Um, because that's probably really offensive, but I don't normally, I don't care. Um, but in that instance, I really did enjoy how much there is to learn but also yeah again as you were saying about the circumstances by which there were people who got out so how does that know how does knowing that change what we think and what we understand about what was left and who was left and it's it's fitting the puzzle pieces together i suppose but it was a really interesting space it's actually one i would go to again because obviously we cut our time a bit short because i like couldn't walk But, like, I think we all, even if we had kept going, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even really, again, scratched the surface of what we could have done in the time that we had that day because it would have closed, there were certain areas that were closed off because they only opened them at certain times, so it's a place I would 100% go back to if I found myself there again or nearby.
1: I think you also reached saturation point. Do you know what I mean? Like we've seen yeah. two amazing sites and like there's only so much you can take in and like actually really like take in and meaningfully enjoy. Yeah. Before it's just like all the same. Yeah. Um, and I think we did manage that quite well. And like I think you're right, going back again, you'd go a different time of year, probably a different day, you know, you take God, in different yeah, things.
0: It was so hard. It was so yeah, I Sorry. It was so yeah. hard. <laughs> it was I was so I was so sweaty. <laughs>
1: it's just like a theme theme of the holiday
0: (laughs) the theme of the trip was me sweating through everything and like having massive blisters on every corner of my foot both feet actually so that was like my theme but we like we soldiered on and um but that was yeah that first day that was a big day out and then we got back into Naples and then we had we for pizza. yeah. We went for shower, we went and for then we shower. Went for then we went for pizza. And that, do you remember which one that was? The first night, I don't remember what that place can, is called.
1: No, I can um, picture. I had that really nice um pizza that was like cheese and like smoked cheese and lemon. Yeah, from and it's right
0: by the entrance to that subterranean tour. Isn't yes, it, it was. Yeah. So if you go to the subterranean tour, it's the restaurant that's like right there on the corner that's where we went and the pizza was really nice and the wine was really cheap and I enjoyed that first night because the timing was kind of right when we were getting back from Pompeii that like you could just see everybody as the day was ending was sitting outside just like watching the world go by or like if they had a balcony they were sat out on the balcony as we were having our dinner and things and so um but then the next day We started out the day in the archaeology museum. So after learning all the bits about Herculaneum and Pompeii, we went to see more (laughs) at the Archaeology Museum. Well, we thought we were gonna see more at the Archaeology Museum.
1: I thought it was a bit of a letdown. Like everyone says you gotta go to the sites and then you go to the museum and you see all this amazing stuff. And like there were some great things in there, but it wasn't life changingly good. You know and that's kind of what i think i had in my head i was going to be like my mind will be blown by this museum um but we did go to the sex room
0: yes we did
1: which has a name that is not the sex room it also has a different name but it was very interesting yeah love some roman erotica
0: yeah that was also just interesting the history of like how those objects came to be allowed to be on display and who was allowed to have access to them because there was a time where women weren't allowed to see them. There was a time where like only certain like status, you know, people were able to see them. So it's just that was kind of interesting. Like you're literally going to look at sex objects and like, you know, frescoes of people having sex. And clearly the culture around it was like, unashamed in some senses. And yet there's all of this build up over the years of like, who's allowed to see it?
1: It also like it wasn't as graphic as I think yeah. I might have been expecting. Like, no. don't me wrong, like it was you know, it was sex being depicted in ancient Rome, but like yeah, it wasn't yeah. like wildly filthy. And I think in my head, or like I think I had read before somewhere that it was going to be like more, I don't know, um, wild or like more taboo it's than it probably really
0: was.
1: Graphic, yeah. Maybe that's I just we're like, desensitized to this stuff, but
0: perhaps. It wasn't. I could imagine a time where it would have been more shocking but um yeah it wasn't as shocking as I thought and I felt like even when we were in rooms where they had stuff from Herculaneum and Pompeii and things like I learned more about the archaeology on the sites than I did in the museum um, and part of that might have been because obviously stuff was in Italian but
1: I yeah. also think it's a shame seeing you know when you're at Pompeii and Herculaneum there are there's quite a lot still there you know there's there's bits of colour on the walls there's things but like seeing them in a museum even though we'd literally been at the sites the day before it does feel very far removed and it's quite hard Mm. to like how they would be in situ Um, and one of the things we spoke about when we were there was about it would be amazing to see like a fully reconstructed room um where they'd kind of like left everything in situ or put everything back into situ so that you could imagine like the colour on the walls the pottery in the corner they're like x y and z and it would feel a lot more like you would get a greater understanding of what a Roman room would have actually felt like or looked like in a more meaningful sense, Um, which, yeah, feels like a missed opportunity, but I'm sure there's lots of technical conservation reasons why that would be really difficult.
0: Potentially, yeah. But yeah, so we we did that, and then we had to make a quick pit stop for me to buy new shoes. (laughs) And we got on the train, and oh no, then we went to the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went to the Rembrandt Church, Caravaggio.
1: Caravaggio Church, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It had this massive, beautiful painting by Caravaggio, and again, um, he's not normally my cup of tea. That's not normally my thing, but like that again, kind of talking about things in situ, seeing that still in the church that it was painted for. Amazing. The uh, there were other paintings in there, and it was interesting because you could see the influence that Caravaggio had on the whole canon and the other painters trying to paint in that style and just his though really it really stands out. We just had a little time so we went in there. Yeah, then we got fried pizza. No, fried or, sorry, spaghetti not fried pizza, fried spaghetti. And then we were on our way to Caserta. which what a is pump. Something that I found in the week like leading up to the visit we were sending each other. Like this is what I want to see. Let's do this, let's do this. And I don't even know where I found it but I had googled things to do in Naples and I found this palace that is has kind of ties into like there's influences of Versailles there's allegedly Sarah influences of English gardens (laughs) um you see that there's like beautiful like marble walls and columns and gold everywhere and so we did a little tour out there for the day we managed to walk the full length of the garden and back
1: so long so much longer than I expected yeah
0: I, me at the start being like oh no we'll make it there in like 15 minutes and like a half <laughs> hour later we're still not there but I thought that was fab I was I wish we could have been there a little bit longer but yeah the timing of the
1: trains also wish like it as you touched on like it's this really interesting amalgamation of like all these different palace building styles I guess it was like site, the bit we walked up is this amazing, like, long drive with fountains down the middle, all the way up to kind of like a waterfall-esque, like, rockfall thing at the end. And apparently that was really influenced by Russian fountains at Sarko-Selo, which is one of the Russian palaces of the imperial family. And so it's like this, yeah, really fascinating fusion of all these different European architectural styles kind of like mashed together to be the biggest and the best palace that the, like, Neapolitan royal family, the Bourbons, could afford. But it was wild. I like the interior was wild too. Like it
0: was, it was insane. And it's one of those spaces you step into, and you're just like, things used to be real different. Like (laughs) the just lack of checks and balances on these families, and yet the beautiful structures these architects were able to create, and these like these painters, the way like what they were able to paint on ceilings and the the molding like all of the craftsmanship that went into making something a space like that which the palace itself on the outside does not look like much it kind of that it kind of gives me like a an austrian kind of vibe on the outside like it's quite unassuming yeah yeah and then the inside is really beautiful And I don't know, like I didn't know anything about Italian royal families and things. So it was really interesting to learn about, a bit about that family and kind of how things passed on and passed down through history and things like that for them through this, the story of this palace. Yeah. The only kind of like disappointing part was the throne.
1: the really small throne and the
0: massive throne room yeah yeah you go down this like really big like throne room and the color was beautiful and everything but it was a very like low-key throne I don't know I, I thought it would be a bit more extravagant um but it was lovely and it's just it felt like this hidden little gem that we were able to find in a sea of being told to just go to Pompeii and Capri and wherever you know the kind of the big names it felt like this this hidden space
1: I, just I think there. that was one of the things that really struck me about Naples and has struck me maybe you had it more before and I had it more afterwards it's like there's such a well-worn tourist route like people mm. just, and maybe this is unfair correct me if you feel so but like I think Americans in particular, they, like, go to Naples in the Amalfi and they, like, have the list and they tick off the list. And it's, like, that's what people do. Like, they go to Naples, they go to Pompeii, they go to Capri. And that's kind of, like, the vibe. And it's very much you just do the things rather than, like, do anything off the list. And, like, one of the things that we spoke briefly about, I guess, is, like, there's a pizzeria in Naples that was in Eat up And it has, like, these insane, like, two-and-a-half-hour queues outside it. And like Naples is the home of pizza. There's great pizza on literally every street corner. One pizzeria is not worth two and a half hours cute when you can get just as good one for like a 10 minute wait next door. And just like that kind of, you have to go to the places when you go to Naples rather than like actually just enjoying, exploring an amazing city.
0: I would agree for Americans, it's less of a let's go explore and it's let's go and do. Cause that's why everybody then says like, oh, I've done like, I've done this, I've done that, like, oh, I've done Dublin. Well, because you went to Guinness Guinness. and you went to, you know, you went to maybe the National Museum and you went like like, it is that tick box of like, oh, I've done this place. And now it's like, you never have to go back because you've done everything there is to do. But actually, like, you've barely scratched the surface. And I don't necessarily, like, I think it's kind of, there is a playfulness in, like, oh, this was in a book that I love, and this was in, you know, a TV show I watched. There is a sort of playfulness in trying to go to those spaces as well, but, like, I don't like to travel. I don't like to travel in a way that I think I've done a place ever. There are certainly places that I'm more eager to go back to than others, but there's not a single place that I would, uh, that I've visited that I would say I've done
1: yeah but i feel like having done a place is like very much a casualty of like modern tourism isn't it it's like the idea that you can like do something even like i live in london i've been here for two years and i don't feel like i've done london like i've done lots of different things in london and i know what i like about the city and like all the rest but i still have a huge to-do list of things that i feel like i should do while i live here because i have the opportunity and i think the same when i lived in dublin for a year like i i did lots of things in dublin but like and i lived there so i had that experience but it doesn't mean i've done it as a city like it's not something that you can just take off like a city evolves and changes. that was yeah
0: then when we got back from caserta we that's when we went to that that one restaurant and had the melanchello dorita yeah
1: yeah oh that was good um that
0: was good and you thought it was
1: going to be takeaway only but actually they had loads of seating oh all my god way this... around the back
0: yeah i wasn't paying attention to the fact Such that a... it was a full restaurant because it big looked restaurant. Looked like a yeah but it was massive <laughs> and then we tried melanchello and i'm sorry but that's so much nicer than limoncello i think
1: No, I think they're both great. They're very different. They're not comparable. Like, meloncello is very, like, thick and sticky and sweet, and limoncello is often a bit tartar.
0: Yeah, obviously, yeah, because they're two different fruits. But I liked I should say I (laughs) liked meloncello better than I like limoncello. Yeah, and sorry. Yeah, we ate lots of gelato. I feel like that goes without saying. We also had really good
1: cannoli as well. And my favourite breakfast food, scogliatella yes so it's really nice that like crispy pastries filled with ricotta and candied fruit and oh they were really yummy
0: yeah I asked my mom why she never made that for us as kids and she was like would you have even liked it and I was like I would now <laughs> probably not when I was a kid Oh my god, super, what a I wasn't super big on ricotta and sweet things I liked obviously like lasagnas and things with ricotta in it but I didn't really enjoy it in like cannoli but now I do so yeah we had we ate very well which I think goes without saying but um and then Monday was for Proshita. so you had found this found you it was recommended for <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> got in the
1: wreck. Um, <laughs> my best Columbus impression um you got your yeah. long got my telescope out and I spotted it from the shoreline um no someone had recommended Presider to me they said it was like the nicest the smallest of the islands that you could get to and it was great today blah 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 blah, blah. so when we decided we wanted to go out to the beach I thought that would be a really good option um so we hopped down to the ferry port we bought our tickets in advance actually we bought them online and then hopped down to the ferry port to collect them and then got on the hydrofoil and it was super speedy it was probably what like just over half an hour um And because it stops at Procida before going on to Asia, yeah, it was like busy-ish, um, but not loads and loads of tourists by any stretch of the imagination. Like quite a few Italians going out for the day um, and a few tourists. So, yeah. Off we hopped at Procida, beautiful sunny island, little port.
0: Yeah. That, that was, was my first time swimming in the Mediterranean. So that was a lovely first experience for me um with the little fish trying to eat my dog bite and
1: <laughs> I still have um a scar on my leg from my I cut it climbing on that rock. Really? It's kind of, yeah, but I I could tell it was like one of those ones. I was like, oh my God, this is the ones that always like leave a yeah. mark. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we had a really good time. Um yeah. I think also because we got to the we walked from the ferry port to a beach and the beach is a black sand, I like guess they're volcanic sand um but when we first got there it was on the west side of the island so it was in the dark in the shade even when we first got there and the only bit that was in the sun was the sea so we kind of like had an enforced like bobbing (laughs) around in the sea for like (laughs) two
0: hours while
1: the sun like cracked
0: towards me literally just waiting (laughs) for the sun to come over the cliff sunbathe yeah (laughs) yeah and then we went to another beach and I was dying by then because there was so much sand in my feet so I just had a little cry on the beach (laughs) <laughs> laid down <laughs> took a couple moments to myself honestly like bless Sarah this whole time because you would have thought a I've never traveled before the way that I was not prepared for like the state of me like honestly sweating <laughs> profusely couldn't cope with the heat I like my feet just torn to bits like I'm not even exaggerating Sarah saw my feet like they were not don't know like, why they were not in a good way so it's not even like I had a blister I had like 10 cuts on my feet like at, very, at every wa- like point that you could put pressure on them um and like yeah but you put up with me literally like just constantly in pain
1: um well no yeah, I, I felt bad me. for you being in pain i was just like you know I don't want to like ruin challenge holiday by being like enforced, like not doing anything but also I don't want you to do too much and be in pain yeah. yeah, whereas okay. I was
0: like, I don't want us to sit. I didn't come to Naples to sit around and do nothing. Like, we had to go. <laughs> but then I'm literally sitting on the beach picking like individual sand out of my feet so I can get my shoes back on so I can walk off the beach. But then we got me socks and it was all good. Um, and yeah. we got gelato and it was all good. And I got myself a little pastry that the island is known for or that like. Yeah, I think that they're known for. I don't remember what the name of it was, but it had basically like a lemon filling in like a flaky crust. So I got myself one of those and recovered. But then I also got burnt that day because, of course, since the sun wasn't, it was because the sun wasn't over the cliff that we just were like, oh, yeah, in the water, whatever, not thinking. Yeah. And then, oh, well. Um, I don't wear sunscreen, people. This is... Not an advertisement, not to protect your skin. And then we still had like a half day left. We did so much, and we went to we did. Kind we got the of... fried pizza when we got back from Pristina. Oh yeah, we got and then we pizza. had
1: the fritti from Sorbillo's and it yes. was really great. It was very. Yeah, hypnotic. you had that twice. Yeah, I did. I like the first time I watched the man making it in the window, and it was very hypnotic. It was wow, it was so interesting to watch. I think he was a bit freaked out by me just like staring. At him. Staring. And it was, yeah, really good. It's, like, very light. I think that was what was surprising. Like, it, obviously, it's very greasy because they deep fry a bloody pizza. But, like, it was also quite airy.
0: Yeah, like, your stomach didn't really hurt after eating it.
1: No, I wasn't like, uh, I hate myself. I was like, yeah. that was delicious. It a bit greasy.
0: Yeah, and then the next day, half day, we did that sort of um, subterranean tour. We were trying to go to one, but we missed the English time. So we were wandering and around they and we out.
1: yeah we were like queuing and they were not going anywhere
0: yeah so we did this different we
1: one which i i thought that i thought it was a bit overrated weren't i won't lie.
0: yeah i don't think it was like i learned a lot and it was interesting to see like how kind of things had built up and built around each other and stuff but it was supposed to be like a 50 minute tour it was what 25 minutes a half hour um, so it didn't last long at all, and then like it was just kind of very abrupt end, and then we were left. They just like a back in
1: the gift shop.
0: Yeah, and then we were left to go through the museum part by ourselves.
1: It was a monastery which had Roman remains underneath, so it was like I guess religious history combined with ancient history, yeah. and it was a bit of a like weird mishmash of it all. Yeah.
0: So that one wasn't my favorite what did we get yeah. for lunch that day
1: yeah we got pizza portfolio the full I got a pizza portfolio where they like oh. fold you up and you like eat it like a kind of like crepe I guess
0: yeah and I did an got- Aaron Cheney
1: yeah
0: yeah, like on yeah the that go. was a quick lunch because then I my flight was ahead of yours and then you were able to walk on the port yeah, yeah. I
1: then had a very relaxing with a glass of wine and an aperitivo in the Italian sunshine for like the last two hours of my book it's like I'm gonna make the most of this afterwards but yeah it's yeah delightful yeah good yeah. way to so, round things off
0: yeah all in all despite my physical ailings I had a really nice time
1: <laughs> I had a great time yeah, yeah I, I a thought it nice was meditation.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting place. I learned a lot. I got, I felt like I got to see a lot of different aspects of like periods of history, how it ties into like, you know, the surroundings in current day. Yeah, do we have any sort of last recommendations? I don't know if we guided people very well because I don't always remember the names of things, but any other last tips, pieces of advice? Thoughts.
1: I think the cafe culture like soak it up you know like we had breakfast on a cafe on the square every morning like a nice you know a shot of espresso and a pastry just like enjoy enjoy it and the same in the evening like you get our aper- aperitivo have a drink like just enjoy the fact that that's part of the way of life and yeah. like you know it's really relaxing just to be able to sit there and watch the world go by and you, I think you'll learn more about a city and its culture like that than you often do by doing lots sort of other stuff
0: um yeah okay so i guess the last thing the last question i have would be to wrap up what would you say was like the thing you'd recommend most about what we did
1: Ooh. so the things i said to people when i told them i was going to naples is i was like i want to go there for pizza history and sun and i got all three of them in bucket loads um which was positive i think the pizza was really fun i think just like embracing how they do it, and like not going in with any expectations about what you want to eat, but just like eating what you find is always the best mm. way to do it. And like, yeah, to be honest, all the pizzerias in Naples are great. So, like, don't worry about being recommended anything in particular. Like, sure, if you want to try like pizza fritty, like, there's loads of places that do it, but like, you don't need to keep the pizza in Naples, just like go and eat it and it'll be really tasty. Yeah. um The other thing I really enjoyed, I think maybe something I didn't know or think about before I went to Naples was that. It is like a Baroque city. You know, it was part of the Kingdom of Naples and it's amazing. Like the architecture is all these amazing Baroque buildings, the art collections, the palaces, they're like, you know, a lot of the city's infrastructure and how it looks is like dating back to that time. Um, one of the things I did actually when you weren't um with me on the first day was went around this monastery, the monastery of Santa Chiara, which has these amazing cloisters that are like all painted, and then they've got myolica tiles in the middle and it was super beautiful like really really peaceful um as well as a space and just like i don't know embracing that side of naples's history i knew i was going to get classical and antiquity but i didn't know i was going to get baroque in bucket loads either
0: yeah architecturally it is really different than what i expected because i've been to like i've been to rome florence venice before and you know this was decade ago so I was a lot younger my memory maybe isn't as good but Naples looked vastly different than those places did um and kind of the space the spots we went in between those places and so I yeah I had just kind of assumed that it would look a bit similar to Rome and maybe even a bit of Florence because I just assumed it was maybe more a bit Renaissance but yeah it really was so different than than what i expected it to look visually
1: how about you what was your highlight
0: i really you know the king louis the 14th in me loves (laughs) i love a good palace i think what i really enjoyed about caserta was the like craftsmanship like i've never seen marble like that I don't think I've ever been to a place that has combined so many different elements either. So that was in some ways successful, in some ways not, but it was just a really unique space in that regard, in the way that it wasn't unique, you know, in the way that it borrowed from other things. So that was really fascinating to me. I really enjoyed that day. Yeah, that's me. I think, where will we go next, Sarah?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Where would it be? I mean, I would need to come to London sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Aside from the UK and Ireland, because obviously that's, that is, it's touring in a sense, but it's also like a visit with friends. So like, where will we go that's newer to us?
1: I don't know. I'm really keen to go to Milan. I've never been to Milan. Um, Mm -hmm. My Italian passion is continuing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also really keen to go to seville southern spain i've been there
0: have you i didn't know
1: that yeah i had
0: friends who um studied abroad there so i visited them when i was in paris Mm -hmm.
1: where will we go next shannon where where's on your list
0: um i still haven't been anywhere in portugal so if we're going like europe which is obviously easiest for us okay um I would love to go to anywhere in Portugal I'd love to go to like Oslo
1: or somewhere in Norway yeah I'd like to go to Oslo or Stockholm
0: yeah do a bit more I'd love like one that is a bit more kind of walking like active in in and naturey but not too hard because like I'm not a hiker but like you know I'd love to be able to go to a place where I get to kind of go out into nature and explore that way as well as learn about the place. Cool. Um, And you still have to come to the US as well.
1: I know. Shannon's tour of Pennsylvania. I can't wait. I know. Remember when that was going to happen in 2020? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very (laughs) bad.
0: Well, anyway, that's...
1: Um, thank you for having me on. So thanks fun. For, I look forward thanks to thanks hearing you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> and I will chat to you soon. Bye.